Welcome to the Truth Matters Podcast. I'm your host, Daryl Harrison. The Truth Matters Podcast is a production of Grace to You, the Bible teaching ministry of John MacArthur. And today, my guest is Jeremiah Johnson. Jeremiah is the editorial manager at Grace to You. Jeremiah, welcome to the Truth Matters Podcast, my friend. How you doing? Glad to be here, buddy. Thanks. Good, man. Good. Hey, uh, before we dive into today's topic, today we're going to be talking about John MacArthur's book, Christ's Call to Reform the Church. Um, I want to dive in that from the very beginning, beginning meaning you were the editor on that book. Mm-hmm. Can you walk us through um, what was that process like? How long did it take from end to end? Uh, just to give our uh, audience a little bit of a backstory on, on on what brought this book about. Yeah. So John, um, back in 2015, I think it was August of 2015, uh, started a series on the first few chapters of Revelation, the first three chapters of the book. It was on Sunday nights. And uh, I think the first one was called the, the Lord's Work in His Church. And then subsequently, the series was the Lord's Word to His Church. And then it was, you know, each of the letters in, uh, in Revelation 2 and 3. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he preached that in 2015. It was a great series. And then in 2016, they had him come to the Together for the Gospel Conference. And I don't know exactly how they give the assignments for that, but his assignment was, uh, that was a the year they were sort of focused on the Reformation. Mm-hmm. And his assignment was a message called Christ's Call to Reform the Church. Mm-hmm. And so he went back to some of that material and, uh, and, and basically looked at what it means for God to call his church to reformation and then came back to grace and did a two sermon version of that. So those two messages, plus the stuff from 2015, plus, you know, back catalog stuff from revelation in the past, uh, all came together to make that book. Um, and it's, uh, it, it basically is what the title says. It's, it's the first three chapters of revelation and it's a look at what God said to his church in the in the earliest days of the church, how he uh, confronted their sin, how he called them to repent, how he called them to to be biblical, and uh, and John's point is that those same warnings apply to the church today, in as much as they're committing the same errors, mm-hmm. and uh, and and so we need to to keep our eyes on that. It's not something that was just a historical document for those churches. It very much applies to every part of the church today as well. Let me ask you, with all that in mind, what was it like for you personally working with John on a book like that? How did that content speak to you personally, to your personal sanctification? Mm-hmm. It was funny. Uh, that was not the that was not the first book I'd done for John, but it was the first that uh, he sort of just delivered to me. He, mm. he brought in a piece of paper with all the sermon titles on it and said, you know, I, I think this needs to be a book and mm-hmm. do you have the time to do it? And so it was a long process. I think from the day he gave me that sheet and that assignment to the time they published the book, it was probably at least a year. And so it was for me a lot of mulling the material, you know, um, <clears throat> my job at the time here was to work on the blog. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like that was all I did for mm-hmm. that time. I, I did a lot of other editing. I was editing some other books for him as well. And so it was kind of the thing I kept in the back of my mind, right? I'd listened to these messages. I'd studied what he'd said. I'd, I'd looked into his commentary on Revelation and, and kind of worked through that material to get it all in my head and then mm-hmm. just kind of let it roll around for mm-hmm. a while while I worked on other things. And, and, and try to think about how does this need to be organized? How does this need to go from, from chapter to chapter? What's the case that needs to be made? Um, there were other elements of it. You know, the, the introduction talks a lot about how the church has uh, moved off of its primary calling, right? And so there were things he had said in a QA. and um, I think in 2016, he talked about how uh, the first line in the book actually is, is that um, Christ wrote letters in... Revelation. He didn't write them to 
city hall. He wrote them to the church. And, and, and that sort of became the, the beginning of the book. The idea was, well, let's, let's follow that l- idea. And, and if Christ is confronting his church, if he's calling his church to repent, all of that needs to, to flow out of that idea. So, so I think that's, that was the process. As far as the sanctifying effect on me, it's the sanctifying effect of, of any, you know, sort of deep study. And um, I love the book. I walked away with a lot of it. I hope that readers do as well, because it was definitely a, a, an encouraging and a convicting read. Um, and frankly, to see what, what John's point was in his sermons was that these errors haven't gone away. Mm-hmm. These, aren't, these aren't unique issues for the church. It's very much stuff that the church is continuing to struggle with today. It might manifest itself slightly differently, right. but it's the same error. It's the same fault. And, uh, and it, it's the same remedy that Christ calls us to. Well, I, for one, as one who's read the book, can attest to um, something you just alluded to, how the book is very convicting, uh, but it's very encouraging at the same time. You know, you alluded to the introduction of the book a second ago, and that brings me to my first quote that I want to try to uh, talk about with you here in this book, because John, uh, in this book, I mean, he dives right in to the core of the issue right at the beginning of the book. And one of the issues that John talks about in this book is the churches that preach moralism. They preach moralism, a moralistic gospel. And then right here in the introduction, John says this quote, he says, morality on its own is no solution. It damns just like immorality. Pharisees and prostitutes share the same hell, unquote. Now, why do you think it was so important for John to make such a bold statement as that? Is it because we have churches even today who are preaching a moralistic gospel and that that in and of itself is not the true gospel. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Moralism is, is the great threat to Christianity throughout its history, right? The, the, even going back into the old Testament, right? The, the, the moralism of the, the Pharisees, the moralism of, of the Jews at times where, where they're called to, to do these things out of their faith in God. It's, it's supposed to be an expression of their trust in him. And instead it became a to-do list. Mm-hmm. Right. And yep. so we, we see Christ confront that in his ministry in the Gospels. We see the, the, the apostles continue to confront that throughout their writing. And I think church history is largely a story of confronting that, that threat of moralism that continues to crop up. It's just so easy to make the Christian faith about externals. Mm-hmm. And so whether we're talking about, you know, first century churches or uh, churches today, it is, it is a constant, it's an ever-present threat to just make our faith about the externals, you know, the, the outward piety kind of thing. Yeah. I, uh, I, I know exactly where you're coming from with that. And I think to what degree, if any, do you attribute, um, Christians, uh, looking at Christianity as a to-do list? Um, what, to what do you attribute that? I'll just answer the question myself. First of all, I think it has something to do with, and you may disagree with this, but I, I don't know that there's a full understanding within the church right now what the gospel is yeah. and, and what salvation is and how God has designed uh, through his son uh, for salvation to work, to come about. Can you speak to that for a second about how, the, the, the misunderstanding on the part of a lot of churches and Christians individually about what the gospel is? Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. I think that there's there's a deep confusion about what it is that salvation is attempting to, you know, supposed to accomplish. Is it, is it all just external behavior modification? 
And that's John's point in the introduction mm-hmm. is that that mm-hmm. doesn't accomplish anything in an mm-hmm. eternal sense. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a drug addict through just the sheer force of his will can stop doing drugs, mm-hmm. right? You can you can stop individual sins, but that doesn't have an eternal impact. Mm-hmm. And there's so many people in the church today don't understand that that what they've been what they've truly been saved from and what their lives are supposed to look like post salvation, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond that, I'm not sure they were told the, the true gospel in the first place. Right. Right. You got a bunch of people who think I do this. I check all right. these yep. behavioral boxes. Yep. I go to church on Sunday. I do, you know, X, Y, and Z, and then I must be saved. Yep. And, and so many people, we've heard testimonies of people yep. who, who basically pin their salvation on, well, I do this and I do this and I read my Bible and, you know, I give, I tithe or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, it's not those externals. If that's not flowing out of a transformed heart, it's worthless. Bingo. And that's kind of John's point is that th- that message has been forfeited by the church. Yeah. And and so what you see today in, in sort of global church movements is a lot of behavior modification. You know, there's people who talk about how to how to how to take this country back and you know make it a, make it a Christian nation again. And John even says in there, there are no Christian nations. Mm-hmm. There are Christians, mm-hmm. but there's never been a Christian nation. Yeah. And you can't you can't look at the world that way. And and so it's it's about calling the church back to its primary duty because it has it has set that aside in favor of lesser goals that frankly are un, unattainable anyway. You know, when you talk about that sort of moralistic uh, view of the gospel, John uh, addresses that here in the book. And one of the best examples of that that I can think of, and that's what makes this book so so great, is that John uh, 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 is forthright in, in bringing it out and dealing with it. And that is the social gospel, the social yeah. justice, gospel of social justice, the sort of woke theology that's now penetrating the evangelical church, especially in America, uh, where you look at, what uh, what uh, what John is pointing out here in this book, where he you know he's he's um, re reiterating the fact that God wants His church to be pure. God expects a pure church, and, and one way uh, that 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 purity um, is made a reality is is through our repentance. But it's as if in the church today, though repent is a six letter word, we treat it as a four letter word. Yeah. Uh, you know, I want to bring in another quote here as it relates to. Uh, the the moralistic uh, element of the social gospel where John says this, he says, quote, the push for cultural morality or even social justice is a dangerous distraction from the work of the church, unquote. Now, I like that phrase, the work of the church, because this conversation we're having here, Joe, gives us an opportunity to talk about how John's book gives clarity to what the work of the church is. So can you speak to what John emphasizes here in this book is the work of the church. What is the work of the church according to John in this book? Yeah, well, I, I you know, it's it's not transforming, it's not taking back the culture. It's Bingo. not engaging yeah. with the culture, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. this would have been, so 2015, 2016, the book was published in 18. Um, it, it, he's talking about the social justice, justice movement, mm-hmm. but it's not the social justice movement mm-hmm. we see today, right? right? It would have been in its in infancy still. And and a lot of the idea is, you know, well, well we got to feed the hungry and we Mm got to take care of the poor. We got to do all these. And again, it's all external religion, Mm -hmm. right? It Mm -hmm. all revolves around the to-do list that verifies my faith. When if, you know, you pointed out repent is a, is a four letter word. Mm -hmm. There's no, there's no notion of repentance. It's immediately, are you doing these things? Are you, are you giving? Are you, yeah, yeah. Are you doing the externals? Mm -hmm. And, and if you're doing those, repentance sort of gets, gets lost in the shuffle, right? And there's, there's, what, what do I need to repent of? I'm doing what I'm supposed right. to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so John's point is that the, the church is called out of the world, not to go back and 
rescue the world, not to go back and, you know, fight to gain temporal ground in mm-hmm. the world. It's to, to be about the work of God's kingdom. It's to spread the gospel. It's to be light and salt in this world that is in desperate need of both. Yeah. And, and that's not happening mm-hmm. if you put all your efforts and all your time into what John likes to call, you know, reshuffling the, or, or re- reorganizing the, the deck chairs on the Titanic, mm-hmm. right? There's, there's no sense in any of that if you're not about the work of the kingdom. Right. You know? You know, talking about being about the work of the kingdom, you know, John talks about in Christ's call to reform the church. He uh, makes the uh, argument that the church is in need of a new reformation, hmm. a new reformation, and uh, one that that uh, uh, reorients itself around the doctrine of sola scriptura, okay, scripture alone. Matter of fact, I want to quote again, Uh, from John's book in chapter 10, where John says this, quote, he says, talking about the church needing a new reformation, he says this reformation would look like this, would look like one that emphasizes a committed love for Christ, the exclusion of worldly compromise, the consistent confrontation of sin, and a serious plea for sound theology and personal holiness, unquote. Sound theology and personal holiness. Why do you think those two things create such a dust storm within the church today to actually draw those lines between the church and the world as it relates to sound theology and personal holiness. Can you talk about that for a second? Well, those are hard things, right? It's, it's easy to do the externals, right? Even, even the, even the really pious externals, it's easy for me to go through those motions. What's hard is to, to truly be holy, Hmm. you know, to root out sin in your life, to Hmm. repent, to deal Hmm. with those things in a biblical way. That's painful, yeah. you know, and and having sound theology is is you know that that's 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 a bizarre goal, right? No, I just need to do the externals. I don't need to. It doesn't matter what I what I believe as long as I do the right things. It's totally backwards from the biblical mindset. It's mm-hmm. it's it's not at all following what Scripture tells us. So this the the, the sound theology part of that is just as important. It's what animates our good action, you know, our good behavior, Mm -hmm. our good works Mm -hmm. should flow out of that. If, if we don't have sound biblical theology, then you're just doing things on your own. Right. Right. There's, there's, there's nothing that actually promotes that. It's not Mm -hmm. flowing out of anything. Mm -hmm. I think about, um, I think it's in the gospel of Matthew where we read that we are to do works in keeping with repentance. Mm -hmm. And then somewhere else in one of the gospels, it says that we're to do works so that the world can see that those works are wrought in God. So the gospel never uh, separates or delineates the works from repentance. Right. They they both they both go together. Uh, you it's know, G- well, it's James. Go, yeah, right? yeah, right. It's, it's James, it's, right, right. My, exactly. My, my works are supposed to be an expression of my faith. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The other way around right. is nothing. Yeah, and and uh, and that's I think the difficulty is no one wants to be told you need to believe this. Right, right. Your theology especially in the church today, is is this grab bag. I've made my collage of theology, right? Mm-hmm. I like this and I like this and I like this. And and it doesn't have to be sound because I made it myself. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's there's no there's no being rooted in scripture. There's no being tethered to God's word in 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 a good way, right? right. But, but but there's 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 no foundation. It's what I want. And and that kind of that self made, you know, sort of Facebook Pinterest mindset that I can just grab whatever I want and cobble it together. And that's my theology. 
what is that? Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't accomplish anything. Yeah. And, and it doesn't keep you from any, any sin. It doesn't keep you from any doctrinal danger, right? right? There, there's, there's no underpinnings to any of this. Yeah. And that's, you know, what, what frankly is the, the book is largely talking about, you need to avoid these sins from the past, from the, from the, the, the churches in Revelation, the first century churches are, are committing these sins. They're falling in these particular ways. And your lack of sound theology puts you on the same trajectory. Yeah. You're, you're going to commit these same sins. Yeah. You're going to fall to the very same pitfalls that, that plagued churches 2000 years ago. Yeah. And you, you set yourself up for that failure. If you fail to be tethered to God's word, to, to, to have a sound theology and the, the, paradigm that he presents in that last chapter of following the uh, the solas of the initial mm-hmm. reformation you know, he's, his, his point is we need to reform the church mm-hmm. but we don't need to reform it along new lines right. there aren't new problems right. so they don't need new solutions yeah. we need to be committed to the things that the, the the reformation fathers were committed to right in the same way that they pulled the true church out of rome's grip we need to do the same today and so we need to follow along those same lines. And the first and foremost is Sola Scriptura, the one you mm-hmm, started talking yep. about, that becomes that foundation. What's the final authority in the church? Is it my pastor? Is it his dream journal? Is it, you know, the, the headlines of the news today? What, what are the things that drive my church? If it's not Scripture, if that's not the final authority, then you're already adrift. I'll tell you, as I listen to you, uh, Jer. I'm just in my mind right now are so many things. One of the things I think this book by John crystallizes for me, it just helps me. It gave me a new appreciation for what a church is, hmm. what a church really is. A church is not uh, the building that you visit on Sundays or Wednesday. It's not that facility. It's not even the relationships that you have within that body of believers. You know, th- th- this book really uh, reoriented my mind and heart to how, how highly God values his body, Mm -hmm. his church, that God's value upon his church is so high. Uh, And and when, as I was reading John's book, it's as if, you know, you look at the seven churches that God is addressing in revelation. I read this book as if it were seven mirrors Mm. because you eat, you read what John writes about each, what God is saying to each of these churches and you read it as if it's a mirror confronting you with your own sinfulness, with your own lackadaisical attitude towards mm-hmm. God, with your own sort of slack slackness uh, about your theology, and then uh, um, um, how you how you view God and honor Him and glorify Him in in the manner that He deserves. Uh, talk about. Uh, I'll just say real quick. That's ahead, exactly yeah. what Scripture is supposed to do. Yeah, right. Great I mean, point. That, yeah, that, great that's point. exactly what it's supposed to do. Yeah. So you can read the first three chapters of Revelation, and you can see, you know, John encountering Christ on Patmos. You can see all the history of it and look at it as though it exists in one of those historical time capsules. Mm -hmm. Or you can see yourself in the midst of it, you know? You you can see the the same errors that that perhaps are in your church or perhaps in churches you've been in, and you can see the trajectory your own church is on, and and is it headed to one of these grave errors? Yeah. that's how we're supposed to use scripture, right? right. It, it's supposed to constantly show us ourselves. And it's frankly a far better barometer for ourselves than, than our own heart, you know? Like, yeah. Really try to understand your own heart sometimes, yeah. right? It's just yeah. virtually impossible. Yeah. Yeah. But I can look at scripture and I can see the, the facts, the details, the, the darkest secrets of my heart laid out in the pages of scripture. And it's frankly, it's a far better mirror than you're ever going to find in 
the physical world. Yeah, I've often said that scripture is first, it's, it's, the scripture is both a mirror and a window, Yeah, but it's first a mirror, then a window, Yeah, right? Um, let, let's talk about, I think you said something of several minutes ago about um, uh, some of the battles that, that the church has had to fight over its history. Uh, some of those battles have you know, been launched internally. Uh, some of them have been, have come upon the church from outside the church. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about that f- for a second in the context of John, uh, John's focus in this book on the su- sufficiency of scripture. Uh, because it seems like you could probably narrow down every fight, even today as we sit here now in 2021, every fight that the Protestant church has engaged in fundamentally comes down to the issue of sufficiency of scripture. And especially you're seeing the sufficiency of Scripture attacked right now through the social gospel movement, critical race theory, mm-hmm. liberation theology. Basically, fundamentally, all those worldviews are saying, well, your Scriptures, your Bible's not sufficient. Yeah, it can't be enough. It can't be enough. Yeah. you got to augment it with this in order yeah. to get a fully orbed uh, soteriology or doctrine of salvation and all those other things. Can you talk about why it was so important for John in this book to emphasize the sufficiency of Scripture? Can you well, talk about that? I, I think that that's true of his entire ministry. Right. I think you could you could probably define every fight, every controversy he's been part of uh, through the lens of the sufficiency of Scripture. Right. Yeah. You, you talk about you talk Truly. about the incursion into the church mm-hmm. of psychology. Yeah. Right. And and how well we we can't fully understand the human heart with God's word alone. We've got to be able to look at it through these other means. Mm-hmm. We need to be able to look at 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 sort of your past and and what can psychology tell us about the sinner and and the sinner's heart. Mm-hmm. Right, and so John writes the sufficiency of uh, sufficiency of Christ, our sufficiency in Christ, mm-hmm. and and that book is all about you don't need man's insight, right. you don't need all this other stuff. God's word is enough. Right. Uh, you look at anything John's ever written about the the charismatic movement. Yep. Right, same deal. Yep. God's word can't be enough. Mm-hmm. I need to have all these other experiences. experiences I need to have yeah. all the other externals. Mm-hmm. I need to hear directly from God because His word just can't be sufficient. Right. Um, you look at the seeker-sensitive movement yep. and the idea that there is um, there's something more that needs to be added to the gospel to make it attractive, mm-hmm. right? I, we need to, we need the song and dance. We need the circus. We need all the other events, the bells and whistles, because God's word isn't enough to bring people into the kingdom. So right. we got to do that extra five yards for him. Yeah. Um, the, all the things you mentioned about the uh, the social justice movement, mm-hmm. the idea that, that there's not scripture alone doesn't heal these things, mm-hmm. right? That it doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't clarify and 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 sort out right. the the endless conflict mm-hmm. that exists in this world, mm-hmm. right? That we need something more. Yeah. Um, the emerging church. I mean, just go down the list yeah. of every every controversy, everything he's ever ever done, really, yeah. every major controversy he's been part of, mm-hmm. um, revolves around the sufficiency of scripture. Is yeah. it enough? Yeah. And and John's uh, repeated explanation through 50 now 52 years of ministry Mm -hmm. plus you know his time before grace Mm -hmm. all of that time has been focused on god's word is enough Mm -hmm. it's everything we need Mm -hmm. and and all of these errors and i think it's almost kind of funny you can you can mark all these errors by the fact that they're not they don't believe in the sufficiency of scripture you know you you put yourself opposed to god the second you start to say we need to add to it we need something more Mm -hmm. and so it's not you know, it, 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 scripture is sufficient, right? John's not the one making that case. Mm-hmm. Scripture makes mm-hmm. that case. And when you put yourself on the opposite side of scripture, you you invite all these errors. You know, I think you just made an excellent point. John's not the one making this case. Scripture's making this case. But why do you think we get offended? Why do we get offended at uh, preachers, pastors, theologians who would dare stand, uh, plant their flag 
on that one issue that I've scripture said, is sufficient. I've said that to John before. I've said, you well, know, can, they, they don't, they don't like your that. teaching kind yeah, of that, thing. He's like, it's not my teaching. Right. It's scripture. Mm-hmm. He's not going to take any mm-hmm. credit for it. He's not going to take the 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 animosity from other people. They're right. not mad at him. Yep. They're mad at God's word. Right. He knows that. Right. And that's why he doesn't answer right. critics and complainers, yeah. you know, because it's, it's not about him. Right. He's the vessel. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I think, yeah, they, they what, sorry, what was your question? I got, yeah, the question was, why do you think it is so many people, even professing evangelicals, professing Christians, uh, they get offended right. at, at people like John who, who would dare plant their flag on the fact that scripture is sufficient. Well, because it's, it's, it, it feels good to say, Scripture's not enough, but I have found the thing it needs. Gotcha. Wow. Right? Wow. Yeah. So, so, yep. so I'm, I'm, an, I'm, I'm a seeker sensitive uh, pastor. Yeah. Right? I figured out all this extra stuff that really drives a crowd, right? I'm moving people into my church. They're, 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 you know, they're numbers holding their hand are, yep. up. They're doing mm-hmm. all the numbers are yeah. pumping, you know, like, so, so it looks like I'm successful. Mm-hmm. I figured that out. I'm the extra thing yeah. that God's word You're the needed. extra sauce. Yeah. 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 I'm the secret to this. Mm-hmm. So there's a certain amount of I'm, I'm pumping myself up. And that's not just seeker sensitivity, right? That's right. the charismatic movement. I hear from God. I'm special, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the mouthpiece. Yeah. I had this experience and that experience validates what I want to say. Yeah. Um, you go through all those errors, right? They, they all tie back to this idea that I can be the thing that that really brings God's word over the goal line, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I can be the secret sauce, like you said. Yeah, and and I think it's I think it's your you know man's love of his own self. Wow, you know, yeah. I, and 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 so so when someone stands up and says no, you're wrong. Scripture alone is enough. Yeah. What you've done is you've taken away the thing that made me special. You've right. taken away the thing that that made me valuable and yeah. valid and all yeah. you know all the things that we look for today. Yeah. And. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, of it's, course. It's, I, how could I not be incensed? Yeah, right? it's, it's, it's no different than what the serpent told Eve yeah. in the garden. Hey, hey, eat this and you'll be wise. Yeah. Yeah, you take it. Wait a minute. You've taken this thing away from me that made me yeah. special. In you our know, sin that nature, gave me that asterisk. In our sin nature, we want to be God. Yeah, we do. Right? We, we do. Want, we want to reign supreme mm-hmm. over our lives. Mm-hmm. We want to have the final say. Mm-hmm. And I think all of those scriptural additives that have risen and fallen over the years they they all go back to this idea that I'd I'd really like to be God. Yeah. I'd really like to to be able to to make this more potent and more powerful and more transforming. You know, Jerry, a couple more questions, man, before we wrap up on this episode of the Truth Matters podcast. Um I don't know that I would call John's book, Christ Christ Called to Reform the Church, a survey of mm-hmm. Revelation. I don't know that I would call that as a survey of the book of Revelation, but right. I think uh, for a lot of people who have a hesitancy about studying Revelation, because a lot of people do, a lot of a yeah. lot of professing Christians just don't want to read Revelation because they assume it's too complicated, they'll never understand it, or you know they they may have some fear hmm. uh, of of reading it. Uh, but in reading John's book, Christ Called to Reform the Church, it 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 it's, it's as if I was studying Revelation without studying Revelation. I mean, uh, that, that's, that may not yeah. make sense. So, do you know where I'm going no, with that? No, I, I think I do. It's the first three chapters. Yeah. So it's right. not a deep dive into the yeah. whole book, right? Yeah. There are other resources we have that do that, right? right? You can look at John's commentaries. You yeah. can look at the, there's a one volume version because I think it's called Because the Days Are, Because the Time Is time Near. Is near. So, yeah, yeah, Because yeah. the Time Is Near. So it's the one volume mm-hmm. version of his two volume commentary, right? You can, you can do all the broad study. This is uh, much more scalpel-like. Mm-hmm. This is this is the first three chapters, mm-hmm. and and it's it's Christ uh, calling his church to repent 
of the of the de- the various sins that had corrupted it in in the earliest days, right? So yep. I mean, we're talking about the first few decades of the existence yes. of the church, mm-hmm. right? And I, I think we forget that it was corrupted almost immediately. Yeah. That there was there it was it wasn't like there was this Garden of Eden period where everything was good and everything was easy. The church has always been under fire, mm-hmm. and it's always been corrupted from within. Yep. And this is Christ speaking still in the pages of the New Testament to churches in the earliest days of, the, uh, of church history yep. that are already falling to these things. Some of these churches never recovered. Right. 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 So, uh, I, but I think there's also some elements of the the rest of Revelation in here. Right. The the second right. or the third chapter of this book. It talks about Christ's work in his church, mm-hmm. and specifically, it, it takes apart the vision that John sees at the beginning of Revelation, mm-hmm. and it looks at all those pictorial images of Christ, it talks about his bronze feet, and I, 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 I won't remember all the details right. of mm-hmm. it, yeah. but each element of that is instructing us as to Christ's work in his church ongoing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So so this isn't all just a... a uh, an accusation or a confrontation, right? right? There is some powerful, really sweet imagery yeah. about Christ's ongoing work in his church mm-hmm. and how he functions to this day mm-hmm. in the midst of his believers. Yeah. And uh, so so I think that this is, if, if you wanted like a really good way to get into a study of Revelation, this is a book I'd recommend. Because it's it's awesome. going to very carefully look at the first few chapters and encourage you to continue in. But this is this has a much more finite goal. It's a much more specific thing. Well, uh, Jer, you know, I've always considered you a pretty prescient guy. And you actually answered my last question uh, right there. With the, I was going to ask you if you could summarize for us why should uh, a believer in Christ read this book? Well, then I'll add to what I said and say simply this is um, one of the most, as you said, encouraging books mm-hmm, I've read. I'm, I'm really thankful I got to work on it. But even if I hadn't. I'd walk away with a ton from this. You know, I, I currently go to a great church and I'm really thankful for mm-hmm. it. Um, but I don't know where the Lord will have me for the rest of my life. Right. right. I don't know what the church circumstances I've served in other churches in the past. I've, I've been in other places. So, so where I am right now is maybe not necessarily where I'll always be. Yep. And this is uh, a great warning, just a giant road sign about the various errors that the church can succumb to. Yep. And, and so, you know, hopefully for whatever life the Lord continues to give me, um, I'll, I'll, lo- I'll be on the lookout for these things. Right. Yeah. And I'll also be, it's not just, not just in the group set. It's not just for identifying sins out there. Yep. It's also for uh, looking carefully within, as you yep. said, this book is a mirror. And yes. so as much as I want to be on guard for errors in the, the body that I belong to, I also want to be on guard for those errors uh, creeping up in my own heart. You know, before we wrap up here, Jared, you mentioned the word encouragement again. And, you know, you don't normally think of the word revelation, the book of revelation and encouragement mm. together. Why do you think that is? Man? Why do you think so many of us as believers, we, we have this sort of dour, sour, sort of uh, really bitter uh, paradigm of the book of Revelation when it is really terribly encouraging, man. Why do you think that is? I think we don't like to think about the end of things, Yeah, you know, um, yeah. just, just naturally, we don't necessarily want to do that. Yeah. I think we also, um, love this world more than we should. Bingo. And, uh, and there don't necessarily want to think about the end of all yep. things, mm-hmm. but I think you do it biblically yep. and, and it is deeply encouraging. Yeah. And and look, this this book is, it's con- it's confronting 
some of the the natural inclinations of the reader's heart. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna sting. Yeah. But I think again, if you if you're rooted in sound doctrine, if you're pursuing holiness, then you understand that that sting is how God works in us, right? That's that's what the Holy Spirit's Indeed. work feels like. Right. So yeah. It, it might conviction me, is just thing, but it should it long term. Yeah. It's gonna it's gonna encourage me. Yeah. Long term, those are the things that are frankly most precious, right? Yeah. I mean, we're not gonna get way off topic here, but we both right have committed grave sins in Indeed. the past. We've hidden that sin. Wow, and we have we've had it exposed through various means mm-hmm. by the Lord. Mm-hmm. We look back now on that. Uh, maybe I can't speak for you on this, but I think I can. No, you're speaking look, for me. We look back on that with with sweetness mm-hmm. and with thankfulness mm-hmm. and and even in the moment right mm-hmm. when you're when your life is kind of falling apart because right. the sin that you've kept secret has now been exposed you, you're thankful right by god's grace you're thankful because he's exposing that he's bringing that out into the light he's yeah. going to force you to deal with it and and so even with the stinging parts of scripture even with the difficult truths and the things that really do cut at me yeah. There is a sweetness that goes with that because that's how the Lord is refining me. That's how I'm being transformed yeah. and sanctified. And uh, and so to whatever degree this book stings, it's also going to be very sweet in the Indeed. aftermath, depending on, you know, how we take the lessons away. Right. Indeed, my brother. Indeed. Thank you for that, Jeremiah. Jeremiah Johnson, editorial manager at Grace to You, has been our guest today on the Truth Matters podcast. Jer, thanks for joining us. Thank you. For more information about the Truth Matters podcast, John MacArthur or Grace to You, Go to gty.org. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Truth Matters podcast, and we will see you next time.